What is up, everyone? It's your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and this is another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm super pumped today to get this episode going because this is going to be part three of our spine, uh, spine, spine series, and we're going to look at the low back today. So if you haven't been you know, following my stuff, um, two, three weeks ago, can't remember now, we started with the neck and then I did thoracic spine, which is the midsection. And now we're going to look at the low back. So I've done um, a couple episodes on low back pain specifically, but we're going to look at um, the low back in general and what I see in my, <clears throat> I would say, clinical experience and also on the gym floor. Um, so there's different ways of how I'm going to go through this way. So I'm kind of curious to see where my brain leads me to, but uh, I am just really excited right now because my book is really taking shape for the launch. And, you know, if you've been following me on Instagram or Facebook, I've been giving a little, uh, little previews of what's in store. And, you know, if you're someone with any kind of spine stuff from neck pain, neck tightness to mid back tightness or pain or low back, what we're going to talk about today, this book is definitely going to be for you. And, uh, I'll show a little preview of the book too in this episode, which is going to be a sneak peek of it. And uh, yeah, if, honestly, if you've dealt with any kind of injury or um, just pain in general, this book and program is probably going to be very, very good for you. Um, so without getting into my entire book that I could talk about for like a full hour, um, Let's talk about the low back. So the stat right now is two out of three people have experienced some sort of back pain and have also experienced back pain where you couldn't do your everyday stuff. So there's a lot of mechanisms that cause low back pain. And for every single person, it's going to be a little bit different. And even our perception of pain is different. And... My goal for this episode is to, one, educate on the anatomy part, but also um, give you options of what you can do. Because I feel like a lot of stuff that you read online when it comes to pain is they tell you, you know, you type in your symptom on Google, like, my back fucking hurts. And then it goes surgery, or this is what's causing it. You have a herniated disc, you have a bulging disc, blah, 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 blah which I all get into in my book and I go pretty far into detail and also give you options of how to self-assess because that's super important too because it's like if you go to a doctor and complain about low back pain they'll just tell you it's part of aging you have most likely you know um degenerative uh, disc disease and it's just part of it so here's some pills um and you know stay off any kind of physical activity for X amount of time. Um, or you go down the Cairo physio route and, you know, they'll treat the area. You'll relieve some pain and you're good to go for a month or two, maybe a couple of weeks, but then it comes back. And then this is where exercise come into, comes into play because 
a lot of times when people have low back pain, they will right away either stop what they're doing and do nothing to, you know, give, relieve some tension. Cause that's what it is. It's like you have those painful signals being sent through your spinal cord to your brain. And then the brain tries to shut down the area that's hurt to protect you. So initially, like you just don't want to move. It's kind of like when you roll your ankle, you just don't want to put any weight on it. But after that kind of like first 24 hours of inflammation, you kind of need to start moving that ankle again to get blood flow to, you know, rebuild the musculature and the tendons and ligaments and all the stuff that was, you know, injured. So that's one option. You just end up not doing anything. Second option is you end up um, going to physio, chiro, RMT, whatever it is, to relieve that painful um, feeling, that response, right? So you're good to go for like a month or so because, you know, the chiro, physio, RMT helped quite a bit, but eventually it comes back. That's the thing is that when you get low back pain, it tends to always come back. And it becomes really frustrating. And when you look at the stats of how much money is put into surgery for the low back specifically, it's a shit ton. But a lot of people don't understand that exercise can actually help so, so much. Now, how to help you in low back pain? Say that, yeah, you've gone to physio and chiro and RMT so many times. It's nothing serious. You don't have like a blown disc. You don't have, you know, tearing or whatever it is. It's just like comes out of nowhere. You went to go bend down to pick up your kid and your whole back gave out. And you're like, holy fuck, not this again. Those situations, exercise 100% is going to help a lot. I've seen people in the clinic where they had those scenarios, but then they didn't do anything really about it and it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And they're at that point where, you know, they can be getting treated every single week and it just kind of makes the pain kind of tolerable, but nothing's really helping. And that's where they're like, shit, I need to get um, surgery. When it comes to surgery from my experience, and I've had people on my show talk about this too. And at that time when I was interviewing those people, I didn't really know that much, but now like working in a clinic alongside three chiropractors now and the two specifically who have a lot of experience, um, I've learned a lot when it comes from the surgical side and all most of the time say out of a pain scale of 10 and you're at like an eight or nine when it comes to your back pain, that's usually that point where you're like really need to go down the route of surgery. The people that I've known that have gone the, got the surgery or, you know, um, got the surgery that I know from online or whatever it is, you know, their pain scale out of that 10, say they were eight or nine, it usually goes down to like a five or six. And then after a couple of years, it kind of starts creeping back up. And, you know, I've read a lot on Dr. Stuart McGill's work, and he has a lot of great information for the general public um, in his book. I think it's called The Back Mechanic, where if you're going down that route of, I need surgery, I'm going to start researching, talking to surgeons and things like that. One of the most important things that he says to do is that when you get your MRI, you have all that 
all the imaging and you go to your surgeon with it and they're telling you that they're going to do this procedure, they're going to do this and do that, you need to ask them specifically, point and show me where you're going to operate and remove my pain. And a lot of times, if a surgeon's really good, they're going to explain everything perfectly, but a lot of times they can't really answer that. So it's kind of scary to like put your whole self and trust into an individual that's literally going to open you up and you hope for the best. But um, a lot of times you just have to remove the pain trigger, right? So you don't know how many times where I've gone somebody with a low back pain and I get them to write a, like a pain journal. And one, a lot of times when people say, Oh my God, my back hurts all the time. And never, it's like every single day, like I can't live like this. And then you get them to write a pain journal. And this is where like a lot of the psychological stuff comes into play. And I tell them like, I want you to track every single day that you have back pain. That's like just not tolerable that a limit, like you can't do anything and you have to like literally stop what your normal life is. And after a month of tracking that, I meet with that person again, like, let's look at that calendar, that pain journal. And, you know, maybe in a week, usually it's like three out of the seven days. So it's like, really, it's not as bad as you think. And that can be a very powerful tool where people are like, oh, well, maybe it's not that bad. So now we have, okay, three out of the seven days, it's usually pretty bad. What happens on those days? What happens on the day before? Right. And then people will start writing. It's like, well, every Tuesday is like my two kids have these sports and like, I'm always loading them in the car and out of the car, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, then let's see how you move. Right. So a lot of times and Dr. Sue McGill, this is his brilliance is, you know, when he gets a patient come in for treatment to help him with back pain, um, he'll ask them to take their shoes off. And, you know, for any other person, they're like, oh, okay, that's part of the assessment. He will watch to see how they take their shoes off and how they put them back on. And probably 99% of the time, they go into that forward flexion position to grab their shoes, to put them back on. And for majority of the people, forward flexion tends to be a trigger for pain. Now, I'm not saying that all forward flexion is terrible, and I've spoken about this forever, but for the general population in that point in time when, when they have back pain, forward flexion tends to be a trigger to continue that painful response. So a lot of times we need to avoid forward flexion for the time being and build up a little bit more stiffness and endurance for it. Another point I want to make about going down the surgery route, you need to understand that most of the time what they'll do is fuse two vertebrae together in the section where you're presenting pain. So their whole concept is say like, yeah, you have a herniated disc, bulging disc, whatever it is, you know, we fuse that together. Now that disc is not going to cause any kind of pain, but now you know, we have two segments that are kind of glued together essentially, but now the segment up top and the bottom have to make up for the work that these two vertebrae that are designed to move can't do anymore. So now you're overworking the top portion and the bottom portion. So eventually those are going to be overworked. They're going to be um, kind of the access point 
and you're going to fall into the same kind of situation of pain. Um, I want to bring up that photo that we had. Uh, let's do that little screen share that I always forget how to do. Let's get this out of the way. And let's full screen this. I think it was this photo that we had last time. No, I should have been prepared, but you know, this is this is what happens. See, I already have that specific one too. Okay, we're going to full screen that. We're gonna make me bigger. Come on now. All right, so today we're talking about this section here. This is probably the most flared up part of the spine that I see a lot. So we were talking about forward flexion, and this is the reason why it tends to be a culprit for a lot of people. Right now, when I'm sitting, my spine here in the lumbar region does not look like that. In order for that to look like that, I have to do this. How many of us actually sit like this at our desk every day? No, it's this that I just like fell into. So imagine we have our vertebrae here and these little guys are the discs in between. And they're kind of like jelly, right? But they have a surrounding casing to keep that jelly in. But it's pretty like mushy and it like moves. It's fluid, right? It, it can move because like if I do this and go back into like extension and flexion with my lumbar spine, it kind of acts as like a shock absorber and it can move in the direction that I'm moving my spine in. So it's like very mobile by nature, right? So now imagine me going into forward flexion and say this goes the opposite direction. If you look at these little discs, what do you think the little jelly sacked thing is going to do. It's going to push out this way. So now imagine you sitting in that, and this is what I talk about all the time. Say, imagine that you're sitting in that position for eight to 10 hours every single day at work. And then if you're not working from home, you are commuting for maybe average 45 minutes. And then you come home to eat dinner, you're sitting, and then you finish the day off watching Netflix, Disney Plus, Amazon Prime, whatever thing you have online to watch your shows. And probably 75% of your day is sitting in that flexion position. You would assume that the disc the surrounding musculature is probably not going to feel the greatest after a while. Now imagine if you were a person who's been doing that for two decades or even a decade, even a fucking year, that's probably going to cause some issues in your low back. It's equivalent to me going around, and I use this example all the time, taking my arm and holding it this way for eight to 10 hours. You would assume that after eight to 10 hours in this position and me trying to get into extension with my arm is probably not going to feel the greatest or be as smooth. So now we create all this stiffness, this 
um, analyst disc pushing forward. And eventually that could actually push onto some nerve endings that could present pain. Worse yet, if you do this long enough, you can get a herniated disc. And now we're in that awkward situation where we have low back pain. And this is where the exercise comes in. What can we do in order to prevent this pain? And like, oh, this is going to take a while because I could talk about this all day. Um, say you're an individual that likes to work out and was fairly active before, and you're kind of like that weekend warrior, you want to like lose weight, but your job is causing you to be very inactive and put yourself in these situations where you're in constant forward flexion and you're, you know, an adult now and you have kids, you have to pick them up and falling into that forward flexion in a weighted position, like you end up injuring yourself and you still want to go to the gym and hit it hard. And you're probably doing things that are causing more damage than good into that spinal region. Right. And at the end of the day, what we need to do is build more endurance in the musculature surrounding that uh, lumbar spine. That's, that's literally the secret to preventing low back pain. Have the endurance increase to meet the requirement of everyday life, right? So if I, on a daily basis, have to like shuffle my kids around all the time, I'm gonna be helping my friend move over the weekend, I'm trying to also work out to lose weight, that capacity and requirement is probably gonna be up here. But if my lumbar spine musculature endurance is down here, there's this huge gap. So the moment I decide to go pick up my kid the sixth time, maybe that's my capacity. Maybe that's the point where something goes and your body's literally telling you, yeah, you can't do this anymore, right? It's similar to if you were doing bicep curls, say with 25 pounds, after that eighth, ninth, 10th rep, your body's like, yeah, you know, we can't do anymore. So we're going to slow it down. And then you can do another rep. Similar to the lumbar spine, you do everyday stuff and then the lumbar spine goes, no more. And then we're in a situation where we injure ourselves, right? So how do you build that endurance? This is where the exercise comes in. You need to create a good foundation and base for all the stuff that you want to do. And I talk about this all the time where, you know, so many of us are so focused on weight loss and fat loss, which is the main goal of this whole show. But if you don't have the foundation of your body to be able to do workouts that promote fat loss, you're never going to get there. And I've seen this so much, especially in the clinic setting. So many people will come in and be like, yeah, you know, like my shoulder is like kind of achy. And I think I've been like working out too much. And then we go like, okay, well, like let's slow down. Let's back it up a little bit. Let's rehab that shoulder, shoulder gets back to normal. And then they go back to where they were doing before. And then that shoulder hurts again. It's like, well, your shoulder's not at that capacity. Cause this happens all the time. It's like somebody gets injured. They go through the rehab processing, physio, chiro, kinesiologist, whatever it is, me. And they get back to a point where they feel really good. And then they go back to their normal right away where it's like, well, it took you time to get to that amount of volume and stress on your body. Like maybe tone it down and slowly build up back to it. Right. Everyone does that. It's like people get out of back pain. They're like, now I'm going to go gardening for like seven hours. Fuck that would hurt me. Like, come on. <laughs> right. So 
people always jump further than they're actually where they're at, right? So this is where we need to build a good foundation. And with the lumbar spine, it's huge. And the other thing, man, I'm going to be talking forever and I want to keep this to like 30 minutes. Um, the other thing that causes low back pain is the joints above and below. So we already kind of talked about, you know, from the surgical standpoint, say like two vertebrae are um, fused together, the one above and below would now have to do all the work. Now let's talk about the other joints involved that influence the low back. So a lot of times low back pain, it might the low back might not be the actual culprit. It might be the other stuff surrounding it. So the big one is hips. Like if your hips are shit when it comes to mobility, where do you think that mobility is going to come from? The lumbar spine. The lumbar spine is not designed to be a flexible thing. It should be, it's supposed to be stable in the context of if you're dealing with pain because we don't need excessive motion through the lumbar spine if one, it doesn't have the endurance to do so and if there are some painful pathways in that lumbar spine. But say your hips, and I always use this example. When I assess somebody's hips, and I get them to move it actively, and they feel the stiffness. They feel like it's not smooth. And I'm like, out of 100%, how does that hip feel? And they'll say, man, maybe like 50 or 60%. I'm like, okay, so we have a 50% hip, and you are trying to do walking lunges, barbell deadlifts, and like plyometric training with those hips that barely move. And maybe those exercises, you probably need an 80 to 90% hip in order to do them properly. So you're putting your body through motions that you don't have the prerequisites to do so. And now your body needs to make up for it. And it's usually the lumbar spine to do so, right? So a lot of times it's like, I get someone with low back pain and right away I assess their hips and I'm like, wow, no wonder. So really the basic thing is like, okay, now we know lots of hip mobility, maybe some hip stability work, and let's build the endurance of the low back. And like two to three months of being consistent, people are like, I ask like clients all the time, like, oh, how, do the back, how does the back feel? And they're like, you know what? Pretty good, actually. And they don't even notice it. And this is the power of exercise if you know what you're doing. And this is what I'm kind of like portray. And this is why my this is why I wrote my book is I want to give you as much information as possible and follow a program based on your anatomy because you do an assessment on it in the book and the assessment dictates what version of the program you do. Now, the other thing too is what we talked about last week is the thoracic spine. Say the thoracic spine doesn't move the way it should. Where do you think the movement is going to come from? Lumbar spine. Like our thoracic spine should rotate 45 degrees in each direction. But say if it can't get to 45, say it gets to like 25, that le the rest of the rotation comes with the lumbar spine because most likely you're a person that the hips don't even move. And again, this goes back to what I was talking about earlier about our um, average day is spent sitting. And what does sitting do to our hips and thoracic spine? It makes them stiff. So now we have so many different factors making our lumbar spine overwork in an environment where we don't even have the endurance to keep up. So you're like you're destined to fail if you don't keep up with your mobility work 
and just movement in general, right? So I talked a lot about that and barely even showed anything. So we're going to go through some videos right now because I want some tangible things that you guys can do to help yourself. So again, this is going to be for individuals that don't, um, Hate when this happens. Oh yeah, I can move it. All right. So again, this is for individuals that are cleared for exercise. These exercises tend to work. And if we look at building the endurance of the low back, we got to look at core stability. So some of my favorite core stability exercises are dead bugs. So one of my favorite ones is the yoga block variation. So I would say that the dead bug is probably one of the most butchered exercises out there because most people don't know how to create, you know, stability, like stiffness in their body. So in this video, I'm going to cue it up. I have a block wedged between my forearm and leg. A lot of times when people do a dead bug, they'll extend the leg. And a lot of times they'll be like, oh, I just feel my hip flexor or my low back hurts. So in that case, if you create tension, things will fall into place. And now the example I always give is like, say if I told you to go lift the 100-pound dumbbell at your gym. You will not go over there and all like loosey-goosey try to pick it up because you know you're going to injure yourself. What do you do? You like get into a better posture. You create tension in your body. You grab the dumbbell and you squeeze the crap out of it to ensure you don't hurt yourself, right? Most exercises should be performed that way. So with the dead bug, I took the same concept of like, what if I created an environment where you literally had to squeeze the shit out of everything if you were picking up something heavy, then it kind of fixes that issue of like, oh, I don't really feel it. So in this exercise, I put a yoga block between the knee slash thigh and form, and I try to crush the block as I extend out because that's the hardest part. The moment you extend out, you need a lot of core activation to make sure that don't hurt yourself. So this eliminates that issue. So now I'm teaching my body how to create stiffness here. And then as I come in, I let go of um, how much tension I put in. So that's the most important part when it comes to creating core stability is not to overwork it, but to slowly throw those things in where, you know, I create tension as I extend and I lessen the tension as I come back in. And that teaches all the musculature surrounding that lumbar spine to be stiff and then relax, be stiff and to relax depending on what we do, right? So this is one of my favorite exercises to perform when it comes to um, low back um, rehab. And again, this episode, low back pain part two is probably one of the best things to go watch right after this because I put all my episodes of low back pain that is um, more hands-on into this. So 100% you should definitely watch that. Um, another exercise is definitely the bird dog, which is another exercise that is so butchered in the rehab space because most people 
don't know how to create tension. So, uh, da, 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 da. I'm talking really fast too, sorry. So I came up with that whole idea of tension earlier and I applied it also to the bird dog. So what I'm doing here with my fist, I'm squeezing the crap out of it. So I'm pulling to get all the back involved as well and back down. So traditionally what the bird dog does is to create um, core stability, hip stability, and low back stability. So in this position, one, you can see that my heel is aggressively being pushed in the opposite direction. So you can actually see my glute engage quite a bit. Everyone makes the mistake of kicking this thing up as high as possible. Perfect hip extension is 20 degrees. It's not like 45 degrees. And what happens after 20 is lumbar extension. We don't need our lumbar being activated. We need our glute to turn on. So every time we do hip extension, our glute turns on and our low back doesn't take over. The other thing too is our lats. Our lats directly insert to the top portion of our pelvis. So it crosses over our lumbar spine. So learning how to stay stiff through the lumbar spine is huge. And funny enough, I'm literally wearing the t-shirt in this video and shout out to rev fit which is another podcast that i've been on shout out to jason who's another amazing podcaster and coach out in uh cleveland ohio cleveland somewhere in ohio anyway um so with that tension in my fists i'm squeezing i'm pulling back to get my lats engaged then i'm also um driving forward which you'll see here to get back into the regular position of the bird dog. Because now my two um, extremities are at the um, end range of extension. And anytime you make a lever longer, it makes it um, more challenging. So these two exercises go hand in hand. A lot of times with low back people, I will do this as a back-to-back -back set where we do um, the bird dog and the dead bug back to back for three sets, you know, eight reps, 10 reps, whatever you want to do. And that helps teach the body to stay stiff, to create tension, to create stability. Right. So a lot of times these two exercises are golden, just like literally all you need to do to get things started. Um, when it comes from a mobility standpoint, we need to focus on T-spine and um, hip mobility. And kind of my go-tos are T-spine cars, um, which I've shown before, but um, I wanna show you a T-spine rotation exercise. And if you guys are not subscribed to my YouTube channel, 100% you should. There's so much here. Um, for reference, but in this position here, I'm in a tall kneel, but my knees are wider than hip width apart because I don't want my lumbar spine moving that much. And the toes in the back are digging in to squeeze the glutes, to engage the glutes. So I'm in hip extension and I'm just rotating left to right, squeezing the block to create tension again. And when we get to that end range where we're rotating, 
that opposite hip is actually getting a hip flexor stretch. So again, imagine if I could get this moving in a mobility exercise and at the same time working on some musculature that tends to get really tight on people who sit all day in gym. So this is definitely a go-to I get to do with clients every single day and also um, patients and what I do every single day to make sure that I'm, you know, tip-top shape. So that's my favorite T-spine slash hip mobility exercise. And when it comes to hip mobility, there's a lot that we can do, but the biggest thing is improving hip internal rotation. And one exercise that I really like to do is just a simple supine um, position, taking my hip into hip internal rotation and external rotation. So all I'm doing is taking my ankle to the opposite side, so that's external rotation and internal rotation actively. Now I'm squeezing the crap again with my fist, pushing into the ground to really influence the tissue of my hip going through internal and external rotation, which are huge players when it comes to hip mobility. Now, I'm going to stop the share. There we go. So I'm going to stop it there because, as you can tell, the low back, there's so much I can talk to, talk about, and just get into detail. But, you know, if you follow the principles of finding your pain trigger, eliminating that pain trigger. So if it's you picking up your kid all the time, that tends to do that. Find a different way to pick them up. Um, building the endurance of the low back musculature and then focusing on T-spine mobility and also um, hip mobility. Wow, my brain is not functioning the way it should. And you guys will definitely be on the right track. If you have any questions about this, because this is a huge topic, feel free to reach out. Um, I also want to show you a little preview of my book. So let's go from the top. Um, I need to screen share again, guys. I thought I was done. Mm -mm -mm. All right, here I am. Well, here's my book. I'm just going to show you this. That's all you're getting in this book. It's quite a bit. And then if you look at the side view here, look at how many pages you get of information. Like I get into um, benefits of rock taping when it comes to bruising. Like... I teach quite a bit. Like I get into anatomy quite deeply here of how your like shit moves and how that's going to influence how you um, work out. What else? We also get into femur anatomy, hip anatomy, talk about hip internal rotation. What else can I show you without giving away too much? Like look how many pages this is. It's a, monster of a book and like I can just keep going and then here are the tutorials so this is the cool thing is like I have a full-on written portion of 
how to do the exercise. I have photos of each position for the thing. And then I have a demo exercise. So if you click this, it'll take you right to the video. And then there's also a tutorial for each one. And then the really cool thing, and hopefully I don't give too much away, is the actual program. Now workout sheets. So many workout sheets to follow along. Oh, the little preview. So hit the show notes, add me on Facebook, add me on Instagram, put your name down for the pre-sale list because I'm going to be releasing this week the uh, release date for my book. So if you want to get it first with a special discount, hit the show notes, fill out that Google form, put your name and email down, and I'll personally email you with the link to my book. And that's it for me, you guys. Until next time. 